Welcome to the Besides Still Waters Roundtable. We're your hosts, Ricky, Brady, Jonathan. Pull up a chair and get comfortable as we dive into God's Word together. Welcome. Tonight we have Brandy, Jonathan, myself, and Fireman David. Our <laughs> <laughs> goal tonight is to walk through 2 Kings 18. That's a guy's reign. As a guy stands out among the other kings when it comes to being seen in God's eyes. He really didn't have to be compared against a lot of great kings, but he still did things right at the start. Um, a little back, so he, you know, Hezekiah is over Judah. Judah was the southern part of Israel. Mm-hmm. And so we've talked before about the kings and how bad they were, and, you know, how <laughs> they've been some bright size, mm-hmm. but all of them have been bad. And so Hezekiah is new. And so let's just start with the first couple verses in 2 Kings 18, and we will begin. So if you can find your Bible, and read along with us, or if you are driving, pay attention to the road, and then when you get home, maybe read through this your own self. Um, How far do you want to go? Let's do the first two or three verses. Okay. So, um, in Second King 18... Says now it came to pass in the third year of Hoshea, son of Eliah, king of Israel, that Hezekiah, the son of Ahaz, king of Judah, began to reign. Twenty and five years old was he when he began to reign, and he reigned twenty and nine years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was also Abi, I'm assuming. Abby, I don't know. The daughter of Zechariah. And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, according to all that David his father did. Keep going. And in verse 4, he removed the high places, and he broke the images, and cut down the groves, and break in pieces the brazen serpent that Moses had made. For unto those days the children of Israel did burn incense to it, and he called it Nehushtan. So let's stop there, and let's go back through okay. those couple verses. Uh, in verse 1, we find out his timeline of when this rain started. He came to the throne of Judah in the very end of the kingdom of Israel. Three years after his start, the Syria armies laid siege to Samaria. Mm. And then three years after that, the northern kingdom fell. So we're getting the time period of when all this was going mm-hmm. on. Uh, Set in the history. Yeah. And so if I was in his shoes and I was looking at maybe my northern king being taken over, I think the person inside of me would go, you know, they they really lived against God. They they fell every mm-hmm. time mm-hmm. God even wanted them to step up. And so I just see that God said, I, I'm done with him. I'm, he washed his hands. He let that enemy come in. And Hezekiah, he looked at it, and I think, he, you know, I like to say in his mind that he, he noticed all this going on right at the start. Uh, but even from his first couple of years, he knew 
that there was something bigger coming. And then I think he was motivated to realize that he's seen what people were going through that went against God. And that when he started his reign, he started doing things right. Sure. And when we say he's doing things right, he took down the higher places. He took down other things. He was trying to get the people to worship in the right location. And, and we'll see that as we go through some more. And, you know, verse four is something that I, I really had a lot of interest in. I, I was telling Ricky and Jonathan before we uh, started recording that, you know, that was the part that interests me the most because, you know, we talk about how they removed the high places. They removed all those idols that um, Judah had come to worship. And, um, I have a commentary in my Bible that explains how the bronze serpent that Moses had put there was originally put there to cure the bite of poisonous snakes. Um, but the Israelites had changed it into something um, that they worshiped. And so it had to go, even though it was, it was put there um, to demonstrate God's presence and power and to remind people of, you know, his mercy it had to go because it they, the people had perverted it into something that was not even recognizable. Um, and so we had talked about idols in our life and how God, <clears throat> God will, um, when we pray that God will reveal those things to us, he will, and he'll show us the things that we are idolizing um, that, that we don't need to. And we see it throughout our life, too, that we get accustomed to things. And, you know, when Moses made that statue, it was it was it was good. Mm -hmm. And when the when they would look upon it, they were helping heal themselves. And the bronze serving, it was been seen as a way to God. And it was clearing. And then as time rolls on, like anything else, we have a bigger factor that comes into play mm -hmm. the devil slowly comes in mm -hmm. and he starts off slow he starts saying you know it's all right for you to do this we're still we're all right we're gonna let you keep moving on and being happy and actually one thing changes and then it's, everybody's like we'll shug it off we're all right we're still being good christians and then slowly enough next you know we're crossing another boundary or we're stepping off the christian line that we're need to stay back onto, but we're still feeling comfortable. And we see this in our day-to-day -day life still to this day. We see this in broadcasts that you might hear from somebody else, or especially in our government, we're seeing that it's all right to be this. When we're being told, when we read the Bible, no, it's not. But this, this is our rules. This is our law. And as that statue went on throughout time people started worshiping and and then that led to worshiping and then god didn't like it and for him to take that down and to tear it up really showed what he was there to do he was there to make sure that god was embedded and that his reign was the only reign you know go back to the high places high places were, you know, around these little mountains throughout time, around the place. And people were going there and worshiping. And, you know, God didn't want them to worship the high places. He wanted them to worship in the location that he told them to at that point in time. 
And so we've had kings before we taught in Sunday school that cleaned up the high places, but they were still there. Right. And but for him to come through and to start sending his troops, sending his servants to clean out these high places and to then demolish what some people probably felt, hey, this is what we've been doing all along. We're comfortable in it. This, this has been working. It really makes you think to today. We're so used to going to church on Sunday. We're so used to going to church on Wednesday. And that's it. And then what we learned this past year, that mm -hmm. changed. Mm -hmm. That changed dramatically. And I think going on what you're what you're talking about, like Brandy kind of hit on it, but I wrote it down when she said it. Um, there's two ways, like we spoke about before, there's two ways to look at this this COVID and, and the whole year of 2020 was based off of what you're doing was God using, you know, you can look at it as, as we've had this virus. We, we've had all this going in 2020. We haven't been able to do this. Well, we've missed football. We've missed this we missed that or was it god saying hey like like you just you just spoke about was was he saying hey all these people are focusing too much on sundays on football mm -hmm. all these people are focused on these uh celebrities these artists these singers they're worried about going to a concert or what he's doing other than than reading reading what i'm what they need to be looking at and i kind of think that you know if you look at it like that I know I, uh, we spoke about it a while back, and that, you know that's the way I took it. Is I need to be doing this. You know, he's taking this stuff away, but but this is staying here. It don't matter what happens. We can read this, and why, why are we not doing this now? So you know, kind of the same thing that, that happened there. The virus is like Hezekiah; it's taking down our high places. Yeah, well, we're finding comfort, and like you were saying, you know, the devil telling us it's okay with it. It's not, you know, we don't need to be doing that. Well, I, I think, too, and hitting on what y'all are talking about, I think, too, you know, the, the devil has used this, the virus, and the whole 2020 year to to separate God's people. Uh, he's looked at it to say, well, you can't go to church. You can't go into church. You can't you can't shake hands. You can't be around other people. Um, and it, it, it really puts a, a, a burden on you. And. Because you, you're not getting to do the things that you used to be able to do as far as going to church Sundays and Wednesdays. And now it's, it's caused us to change a lot of things around in our lives, not only our, our homes and our families, but our spiritual lives as well. And it's it, where God wants us to use that, the pandemic and the 2020 and starting into 2021, he's wanting us to use that time wisely he's he's put the book in front of us he wants us to use the the time wisely he wants us to use it for him and i think he's i think this thing hit just right where he can slow everything down around us and say wow look look at look what we can do what, what we could be doing versus oh i don't have to go to church tonight he's wanting us he's wanting us as individuals to dig into the bible deeper instead of going to the church and listening to what the preacher has and, and using just having that message all week. He, he's taking away, hey, you can't go out and eat tonight. You got to eat with your family. Well, y'all, have a little Bible study. Right? Do a little Bible study with your kid. You know, read, read your Bible instead of 
going to watch a basketball game. I, I believe I believe it, I believe this full, fully uh, that I have become during this pandemic. I have I have become closer with God than I have been in my whole forty two years of existence, yes. and I fully believe that. And I can see it not only in my life; I can see it in my wife's life. I can see it in my kids' lives. And it just it it everybody says, "Oh gosh, oh gosh, this," but. I can see a difference. I see a positive difference. Not not that it was negative on us, but as a positive influence to everything that's went on in, in, in our home. It's been a huge thing for us. It's actually brought us closer together, not only as a couple, married couple, but it also brought us together as a family. You know, the and kids are sitting down what, and listening and it's you know, going back to what it, that, that's what, you know, is the vision for that the king right now. I mean, he was taken away everybody looking at all this other stuff and hey we need to be as a where country we need to be we all need to come here instead of just trying to i mean and that's a lot out. coming too but you gotta remember his father is probably one of the worst kings that judah had and then for him to turn around and start making these changes it had to be hard no, like he, 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 when I say it had to be hard, he had to, you know, steps outside what he was raised to believe. That's what I was gonna say. Not only did he, is he doing all this, but this is going against everything that he's ever seen that his dad has yeah. showed him. Yeah, yeah, we we can't compare what we're trying to make changes to to mm -hmm. what he was is facing back then. But you know, we we have to step outside our comfort zone. We can't settle. If you settle, you don't grow. Yes, you rot in the ground. In a rut. Yep, there you in go. A rut. <laughs> you gonna build that rut. And <laughs> for us to keep telling ourselves that can be either taken one way, either it'll go through your ear and out the other side, or we can take on that responsibility and keep pushing ourselves. And realize that some things we want to do are not going to be seen popular. Some of the things that we do might be seen great and it might lead us down all another bad road. But we have to keep turning back to the Bible. And we have to keep turning back to finding our path that he's laid out for us. Or ask him to help us be used and Let's continue on. And John, can you start from seven? So the Lord was with him, and Hezekiah was successful in everything he did. He revolted against the king of what's that right? Assyria. Assyria and refused to pay him tribute. He also conquered the Philistine. Philistines as far distant as Gaza and its territory from their smallest outpost to their largest walled city. During the fourth year of Hezekiah's resign, which he which was the seventh year of King oh, I can't say that one. Oh, oh Hashia. I think it's Hashia. Resided in Israel. I'm not sure how to pronounce his name. King Shalomanzer. Uh, you, you know how to say that word again. <laughs> Assyria. Assyria attacked the city of Samara and began a sigh against it. 
Three years later, during the seventh year of King Hezekiah's resign and the ninth year of King Hoshea resigned in Israel, Samara fell. At that time, the king of Azariah allied the Israelites to Azariah and placed them in colonies in Hala along the banks of the Harbor River in Gaza and in the cities of the Medides. For they refused to listen to the Lord their God and obey him. Instead, they violated his covenant, all the laws that Moses, the Lord's servant, had commanded to them to obey. Okay. So for y'all at home, that's basically going through seven through eight. And you, you did so much better than I could. There's a lot that, of so. really hard names. Yeah. In this we did our first podcast to use all these big words. Hey, why did we ease it? When you're the host, you can call people out. <laughs> So, you know, let's just quickly go back through. And if you go back and start reading through 7, 3, 8, 10, you really see that God was with him. And since God was with him, he was giving him great progress as he was moving along with his his reign or his time while he was on the throne. Um, it also fulfilled the long-standing promise to David and his descendants if they obeyed God, their reign would always be secure. I mean, if you, they go back to First Kings second, uh, one through four, there, and you can see that. But uh, he rebelled against Assyria before he came to the throne. His father agreed to pay Assyria and to keep them outside. When Hezekiah took over, he's like, "We're not going to do this." We're not we're not going we're not going to pay our enemy. And so that's what it states there. He said, I, you know, I'm not going to pay you. I'm not going to pay this going forward. Now, we see this come back to hurt him in a couple of verses, but that's where we're at. So he's saying, I'm not going to give you the northern kingdom of, you know, you conquer the northern kingdom of Israel. I'm not going to pay you this. Um I lost my train of thought there. <laughs> Lost it. You got anything? Uh, no, just that. I mean, you know, Israel and Judah were sandwiched in between Egypt and, and Assyria, and so both of the countries, you know, probably continuously attacked them because they they held a military advantage by having that land. They could have conquered other parts. Also, they would Israel and Judah would have been crucial in trade as far as using that, that land to get to places faster. Um, and so that probably explains why Assyria kept coming after um, Judah, because they, they wanted it not only for military purposes, but for trade. Yeah, I think also they could lean on enemy of your enemy is my enemy too. That's true, yeah. So. Yeah, we see Hezekiah stand strong here for a minute. For a minute. But, you know, it's all right. I mean, people, people fall. As long as they're willing to admit it and pray and be humble about it. Mm -hmm. And I, I like to think he does at the start. Um, but there's only one that has not failed. And some people just need to believe, remember that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And he gets, he gets going. He definitely learned from his predecessors. Yes. 
he saw what happened with his, his father and his grandfather and how they were headed straight for destruction, just like Israel was. And he didn't want that. But I think he was put between a rock and a hard place, literally, between Egypt and Assyria. And he did the best with what he could. <clears throat> but he did not rely on God ultimately. I know, I know we're not there to that scripture yet, but but yeah. Small lack of faith. So let's start back on 13. In the 14th year, King Heskadiah. I can definitely not say that name. Sinashrib? Yeah. <laughs> Roll with it. He was the king of Assyria, attacked all the fortified cities of Judah and captured them. So fortified cities, if you're not familiar with what that is, yes, they're cities that are built up. Mm -hmm. It's also a common in military practice still to this day. Uh, take my time overseas. We set, set up Camp Fallujah. But then we had fobs that was around Camp Fallujah. And so those fobs are built up to protect Camp Fallujah. And so if the fortified cities would fall, then most likely the bigger camp where a lot of the military is stationed at would be attacked more. So fortified. So Hezekiah, king of Judah, sent word to the king of Assyria, saying, I have done, I have done wrong. Withdraw from me whatever you demand from me. I will pay. The king of Assyria demanded 11 tons of silver and one ton of gold from King Hezekiah of Judah. So he started seeing these cities, his fortified cities fall. And he's, I think maybe that was his limits, you know. We all get to our limits where we, we falter. And we have the supreme evil always lurking there. And seeing this is their limit, you know. Is your limit being shut up at your house, not being able to talk to people in your inside your mind all day long? And then you you reach that limit where you're there too long, the devil knows that. And so he might push something across in front sure. of you. Play or, games. Yeah. It might be your phone. It might be access to something that we shouldn't have access right. to. Or it might be a buddy calling you out of nowhere and saying, Hey. Let's go, let's go hit up something real uh -huh. quick. Uh -huh. You know, so everybody has their limits. And I, I do think that he stopped looking at the, bright, the the big picture. I think he got a little tunnel vision. He got scared. He's seen that these four or five cities around Judah were falling, or that hat were going to fall, or they are falling. And that he's seen that they were coming. And so he forgot that. God was there. And so I think he wanted to take care of it himself. And I, and I think in good heartedly, he, he took up for his people. But he showed that weakness mm -hmm. by stepping out and saying, all right, I'll pay you whatever you want. Please, you know, don't come here. I'll, I'll give you whatever you want. Take it from me. Take it from me. You know, yeah, stand up character-wise. Mm -hmm. But it wasn't for God. He then turned to God in prayer. I look, and I, look, like I said, Joe, you know, when we start going into 19 stuff, he, he does have a strong prayer life, and we can learn from it. I can't find nowhere in the Bible where it states, or I can't find somebody where the, a scholar states that 
he turned to God before he did that. And so to me, maybe it was like, let me do this for my people real quick. He, he thought super quick. Mm -hmm. And so when he stepped out and he was saying, like, I'll pay you whatever you need me to do. I think he just seriously opened the door for the, for the devil, mm -hmm. for his enemy. Our enemies are not going to say, all right, yeah, I'll We're just done. give me some more money. Mm -hmm. I'm good. They're not going to do that. Because if they did that, who else is going to do that? All these other countries that they took over, all these other places they took over. And there was Syria, when they took over somebody, they didn't just take them over and say, all right, you're going to pay me such, such money, and you're going to live here. No, they, they split them up, y'all. They divided them. It was like, so if somebody came to Hill and Springs and took over this little Hill and Springs area, maybe one or two of us is going to live in this area. Everybody else is going to be disparaged out because they don't want them grouping together. They don't want them rebelling with inside of them. And so this guy, I think, kind of overstepped his boundaries at that time. And we, we, we see that in our daily life. Sure, and sin doesn't call itself sin. It doesn't show up and say, hi, I'm sin. Choose me. You know, Hezekiah, we can look back at this and we can say Hezekiah made the wrong choice. He popped out. But And I don't have military experience like you do. And so you look at this and you see the tactical choices. And militarily, you know, or logically, he probably didn't make a bad decision because he felt like he had no other decision. So it's hard for me to see things that way because I, I don't have a military background. But I'm a parent. And I watch a lot of NCIS and Criminal Minds. So I think, okay, if somebody kidnapped my child and they said, you can only get your child back if you pay the ransom, I'm going to pay the ransom. It's the same thing that he did. He did the exact same. There's no difference. They were holding the whole country or the whole nation hostage, and he paid the ransom. He just forgot that promise that God was going to protect him, God was going to be with him. And so that's where, you know, that's where he fell as as being a, a man of God or doing right in the sight of the Lord. But I think that we can all identify with the choice that he made because we would probably make the same exact choice because logically it makes sense. You're right. And let's see what he does from there. Right. So let's start back mm -hmm. on uh, 15. So Hezekiah gave him all the silver found in the Lord's temple and in the treasuries of the king's palace. So remember, he sent servants and people to go to the high places to clean them up. Now he sent them to the temple to take things out of it, mm -hmm. to damage it, to clean it out, mm -hmm. to give to his enemy, to scrape the gold out, and to build up this stuff. How do, if I was a servant or if I was somebody saying, go to, go to, go to church down here on Somerville, the only thing we have valuable in there right now is wood. Tear all the wood out. Get Shrew's piano. Bring it outside. We gotta give it away. We gotta give it away to our enemy where they don't come attack us. Mm -hmm. How do you think they failed? <laughs> I mean, if it's leaders telling you to do that, yeah, you're probably gonna do it because you don't know you don't know what the consequences would be mm -hmm. if you didn't do it. But it had to be a sickening feeling. Mm -hmm. Just look at that doubt or that unknown that is getting into their minds now. And it's spreading. You know, a little problem. Don't say a little problem if you don't 
fix it. It, it gets bigger. They become bigger problems. And so, to me, that just seems harsh that you would send your people back in there to tear down and go through their temples to clean out. It reminds me of when we took over back there, y'all. When we took over the palace. What did we do? We were taking stuff out of walls. We were taking crystals out of chandeliers. I mean, to me, it's just like, that's a hit. That's a hit in my gut. That's a hit that it's hard to swallow. But thank the Lord that we learned and we're going to move forward. Jonathan, David, you me that? Y'all been off quiet? Hmm. Uh, Y'all are we listening. <laughs> Y'all are doing it. We listen. Y'all the audience. So let's pick up back at 16. So at that time, Hezekiah stripped the gold from the doors of the Lord's sanctuary. And from the doorpost, he had overlaid and gave it to the king of Syria. And then the king of Syria sent the tartan, the rabs. I know that's a, that's a command position. I just don't know how to say it. So the rest got it. Along with the massive army from <laughs> to the king Hezekiah at Jerusalem, they advanced and came to Jerusalem, and they took their position by the aqueduct of the upper pool, which is by the highway to the is that Fuller's Fuller's Field. And they said, called for the king, but, how do you say that? Um, Eli Eliakim. Eliakim. Son of Hilkiah. <laughs> yeah. Who was in charge of the palace, the court sanctuary, and then the court historian came out. So basically, in the military, it'd be like a command person, a scribe. And and basically maybe a historical historic figure that might have known more about the laws and stuff. And so these three was presented to the Rabshaka. Um, the Rabshaka really had the the position. Uh, like if you were going in somewhere, they always tell you make sure you have the high ground. Um, he had that complete command at that time. He could have walked right into Jerusalem. By being able to stand at their critical water supply, mm -hmm. the, you could say his deck was full compared to these three walking up and being told what the message was from the king of Caesarea. And, uh, We find in the next couple of verses that the Rabshaka really showed his colors when he was trying to mock Hezekiah. And the devil does that too. And we want to talk about that here in a minute, but Brandon, can you start reading? Sure. Uh, 19 through 21. Yeah, it's all great. Then Rabshakeh said to them, speaking now to Hezekiah, thus saith the great king, the king of Assyria, what confidence is this wherein thou tr trustest? Thou sayest, 
but they are but vain words. I have counsel and strength for the war. Now on whom dost thou trust? And thou rebellest against me? Now behold, thou trustest upon the staff of this bruised reed, even upon Egypt, on which if a man lean, it will go into his hand and pierce it. So is Pharaoh, king of Egypt, unto all that tr trust on him. So this is what Rabshakeh says to Hezekiah, right? Yeah. Yes. <clears throat> His goal was to really make Judah feel weak. Mm -hmm. He wanted them to not have nothing to lean on. And so, you know, he was going to mock them turning to helping from Egypt. He wanted to mock their that that their God wasn't gonna be able to do that for them. Mm -hmm. And he he might be telling some truth and and that's and that's like Satan. You know, Satan tells us a lot of time, well he tells me a lot of time, you are a rotten sinner or you are a bad person. And Yes, we are sinners. Jesus died for uh, to clean us from our sins, to forgive us from our sins. And for some reason, we, we keep sinning, and we keep learning, and we keep being humbled by it. Um, and I think that's what, in my mind, the Syrian didn't understand that. We can be humbled and learn from it, and then we can grow with God and grow stronger. It's not that we have to support ourselves or to shine a light on us saying that, hey, we did this, we did this. We didn't do it. We're not doing it. And I think Rap Scott, even though he had the ideal position, I think what he wanted to deliver with his words was not what we would say a positive tactic or what would make the Judah people still feel weak or feel like, okay, this is the end of everything. And we're going to see here in a couple verses that what Hezekiah does to me. What I wanted to add to, you know, this is a game that Satan really likes to play. He likes to take something that we rely on, like God, and mock it. He did it to Jesus when he tempted him in the desert. He said, you know, if you'll just bow down to me, I'll give you all of this. Contrasting the fact that he, that Jesus believed in God, but his fate was not awesome as, as his human fate. You know, he was going to the cross and he knew that. And so it was almost like Satan played the same game that um, Rabshakeh, that was his name, Rabshakeh did, is, oh, you were relying on this person, well, the, the Pharaoh is like a broken reed. It's going to splinter your hand when it breaks. And Satan was kind of doing the same thing to Jesus. So he's going to do the same thing to us. He's going to take the things that we rely on, that we lean on our church, our church groups, our friends at church, um, our private time with God. And he is going to make a mockery of it until we stop. Yeah. He really likes to play this card. Kind of give us that realistic feeling. Yeah. Like, it is okay. Yeah. 
So I'm just going to read a couple of verses and let's roll from there. Okay. So suppose you say to me, we trust in the Lord our God. Isn't he the one whose high places are altered, as Gaia has removed, saying to Judah and to Jerusalem, you must worship at this altar in Jerusalem. Now, make a bargain with my master, King of Syria, and I'll give you 2,000 horses. If you're able to supply riders for them, how then can you do Drive back a single officer among the least of my master's servants and trust in Egypt for chariots and for horses, horsemen. Have I attacked this place to destroy it without the Lord's approval? The Lord said to me, attack this land and destroy it. So he kind of does the same thing here. Yeah. Give, give a pledge to my king and we'll give you all these horses. Yeah, and, and he's also telling them that you know Hezekiah is going to try to tell you that God's God's here for us, and that He's going to protect us. I mean, he's he's stating that, but he's, he's really turning turning it on its head. Mm -hmm. And he now he's telling them, "Your God's told us to come down here and destroy this." Yeah, he's using every tactic that he can, just like the the devil uses. I mean, he's saying. You know, in my book, um, you know, right here it says, how can you even think of challenging even the weakest of my master's truth? Like, he's just, as the devil does us, he's trying to beat it down so much. Break our confidence. And break our confidence that we will only see him standing there with this big reward and not focus on what we're focusing you know trying to hit us at the lowest point while he's standing there thinking that we're only going to turn to him we're not going you know turn back and you know when we lose confidence it affects a lot sure and the enemy of our souls has a skillful tactic and when we get scared, like we talked about earlier, or we lose that confidence, we get this discouraged obedience. And when we start questioning what we know is right, and we start accepting a little bit of the lies or a little bit of the bending of the line. They hook us. Mm -hmm. They make us feel comfortable. Mm -hmm. And this guy is going to be, he's in, a, he's in a, a dangerous area right now. If he started arguing with the rap shack and started Saying no, this is not how it is. This is you're blasphemy. You're 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 speaking what you don't know about. Or he starts trying to play play that little matchup between him. The crowd or the population that is watching this might start having that disobedience too. So I think by Hesekiah just being sitting there listening to it, you know, letting his people bring this and bring it back to him and him 
and we'll see here in a minute that you know grays or tears his cough and stuff like that but it's a very thin line or the time is very dangerous because yes we have to make quick decisions sometimes but if we make decisions a lot of times with our emotions mm -hmm. then <laughs> we're going to make the wrong decision mm -hmm. and The road to fix it might be harder to come back up. Read a couple more verses. Let's see, where did you stop? You stopped 25. at 25. Good. Okay, then Eliakim, son of Hil Hilkiah, and Shebna, and Joah, unto Rabshekah. Speak, I pray thee, to the servants of the Syrian in the Syrian language, for we understand it, and talk not with us in the Jews' language in the ears of the people that are on the wall. For Rabshakeh said to them, Hath my master sent me to thy master and to thee to speak these words? Hath he not sent me to the men which sit on the wall, that they may eat their own dung and drink their own pea with you? And Rabshakeh stood and cried with a loud voice in the Jews' language and spake, saying, Hear the word of the great king the king of Assyria. Thus saith the king, let not Hezekiah deceive you, for he shall not be able to deliver you out of his hand. Neither let Hezekiah make you trust in the Lord, saying, the Lord will surely deliver us, and this city shall not be delivered unto the hand of the king of Assyria. Hearken not to Hezekiah, for thus saith the king of Assyria, make an agreement with me by a present, and come out to me, and then eat ye every man of his own bond, and every one of his own fig tree, and drink ye every one of the waters of his cistern. Until I come and take you away to a land like your own land, a land of corn and wine, a land of bread and vineyards, and a land of olive oil and of honey, that you may live and not die. And hearken not unto Hezekiah, when he persuadeth you, saying, The Lord will deliver us. Hath any of the gods of the nations delivered all his land out of the hand of the king of Assyria? Where are the gods of Hamath and, Arpa and Arpad? Where are the gods of Shavarthaham, mm -hmm. Hena, and Iva? Have they delivered Samaria out of my hand? Who are they among the gods of the countries that have delivered their country out of my hand? And the Lord should deliver Jerusalem out of my hand? But the people held their peace and answered him not a word, for the king's commandment was saying, Answer him not. Get on my own backtrack a little bit. So, Rabshakeh, whole strategy again, was to make Judah feel fear, mm -hmm. right? He wanted to make them scared. He had the army. He had the position. He could have wiped them out. But he wanted to talk. He wanted to make them disobedient. He wanted to tear them up from the inside out. He didn't want them to be able to, he believed this was the better action. He didn't want them to be able to rebuild. He didn't want them to be able to counteract. Uh, so he thought maybe he could use these words to divide the population. He preferred maybe what he seemed a more simple route of, to give, to get them to give up. And when I, I keep going back and we keep talking about, you know, the devil coming into and our, and our enemy of our soul. And I don't know how y'all picture Satan. I've never really 
brought that up or but I was talking to someone the other day and he was telling me he pictures to say you as this boxer back at like a Sammy's boxer with some butt gloves on bouncing <laughs> in his corner. And he's like he's just itching for a fight. He's itching for a fight. And I'm not I'm not 100 percent sure that he is itching for a fight. You said it every time you open up with our morning devotions now on this podcast. Grab your what? Your sword. Your sword. I think Satan, he, he's lazy. Okay. Yeah, he's smart. We talked how smart he's been in the jar. We talked about that. You know, he's cunning. He, he learns us too. But I don't think he wants to fight. I think if we fought, that is the tr- power that maybe Pastor Thomas been talking about too on Wednesday night, that our actions is a strong power. Just by us walking, just by us wanting to reach in and dig into the Bible or share what we're learning, that's going to make our sword stronger. Mm-hmm. That's going to make our sword sharper. It's going to make us more skilled to use it. Yes. And so. Yeah, that's a, that's a, that was a big one there. He might be a bully, but when we start showing him who's going to fight our battle, I think that's why he don't want to fight. Mm-hmm. Well, he knows that he can't win against God. He knows that. I don't see him as a fighter, more as I see him as kind of exactly what's going on here. Just trying to get in your head. And he doesn't want to fight God. He wants you to fight God. Is all that he he's not wanting you. So like you say, get up there as a as a and I'm not saying everybody has a different view, but I I don't visualize him as he's getting up there in the ring and boxing. I visualize him as uh you know, you're in the ring fixing a box, and he's just kind of whispering in your ear. I picture him as a buddy that is sitting right there mess. behind me. That that's what yeah. Send me messages all day long, Tim. You know you want to go do this. Yeah, let's go crack open this beer on the golf course, yeah. or yeah. let's go let's go to this strip club tonight. He wants you to fight it because then it, you know, like you said, he he knows he can't win against God, and, and he's scared of God. So if he uses you, then he wants us to fight. I he like thinks that it's that's us falling. Yeah. Us falling, not yeah. us. It's us going against God, not Satan going against yeah. God. You know, that, that's. You know, the I very first time that we see Satan in the Bible, he's a serpent and he's whispering to Eve and he is getting her to doubt what God has told her. And I see, I see Satan that way. I see him as a serpent. He's cunning. He's sly. He's slick. He can do things in secret. And he, I love that. I never thought of it like that, Jonathan, that he doesn't want to fight us. He wants us to fight God. And that's how he works. Yeah. He's not like getting up there and like, Hey, we're going to duke it out for this, for this individual. He don't want that. He wants us to go fight God. Mm -hmm. And then while he's over there talking to somebody else, Hey, you see what he's doing? Uh, Mm -hmm. You know, once you go check him out, Mm -hmm. that's the new thing right there. You know, it's kind of like a, like the, I guess, 
Whereas, like, a head criminal or a head uh, mafia person. Like a mob boss. Yeah, like, <laughs> he's not fighting. He's not going to get his hands dirty. No, but everything comes from him. You know, all this violence, whatever, drugs, whatever, all of it comes from him. And his servants are, are doing whatever he, you know, he tells them to do. And I kind of see the devil trying to be the same way as that using us to go against God because he knows that he can't do it. We thank y'all for listening in. Uh, you know, we know, we know we got a lot to learn and we know that the only way for us to keep doing it is to going forward. We ask that maybe y'all would read the rest of chapter 18 and we will pick back up maybe with 19 and another time we do the round table. Mm -hmm. um, time next week. Father, we thank you, Lord, tonight for allowing us to, to come together tonight to worship you. Uh, we thank you, Lord, for this podcast. We thank you, Lord, for the, the people that have been a part of this podcast. We thank you, Lord, for the listeners of this podcast. We pray, Lord, that this podcast will go out and, and speak to people's hearts. We pray, Lord, that it will be shared multiple, multiple, multiple times to exhilarate your name, Jesus. Lord, we ask you to just uh, keep your hand upon our government, our 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 leaders, we pray you'll just have your way in their lives, Lord. Please lead and guide them in the direction, Lord. Uh, just have your way in all that we do and just prepare and give thanks. Amen. Again, guys, we want to say thanks for listening. While you're here, jump over and check out our daily devotion for a great 10 minutes or so with the Lord every day. Also, if you're in the Denton area, come on and check us out at Sumble Baptist Church. We'd love to have you. Again, thanks for your time, and we hope you have a great week.